On today's show, the Houston Rockets lose the first game on this very long road trip, 120-113 against the Miami Heat. Why did they lose this game? What changed in the second half after things were tied up at halftime? Alperin Shingun and Fred VanVleet with a pair of monster games, but it wasn't enough to get it done. A silver lining here from this one, though, Ime Odoka continuing to trust and give Cam Whitmore more and more minutes with each passing game, and Cam was fantastic in this one. We're going to break it all down for you coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make everyone more with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making LOR part of your day every single day. Thank you for being an everydayer, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making the show part of your day every single day. Rockets not getting off to a great start on this East Coast road trip. I guess it's really not a coast road trip. Eastern Conference road trip, whatever. Six-game slate on the road, first of which here in South Beach. They drop the game 120 to 113. We've got a lot to unpack from this game. We'll get into the reasons why the Rockets lost this game, the strong performances from Fred Van Vliet and Alperin Shingun, although there were still some you know, some issues with their games, respectively, Uh, as well as I I think what has to be the biggest story here. And this is what I'm going to lead with this one. We'll get to the game flow. We'll get to why the Rockets lost. Cam Whitmore is the guy that I want to talk about here from the jump. Because Cam Whitmore is a guy that excites a lot of Rockets fans. I'm excited by Cam Whitmore, right? And you watch him play. You see him play. And there's a reason to be excited. This dude is already a comfortable three-level scorer, understands his spots on the floor, understands how to be effective. He is basically, Craig Ackerman has dubbed him Mr. Per 36 because his Per 36 numbers are through the freaking roof. He goes out there and he scores basically almost like a point per minute in the time that he's out there on the floor. And in this game, We saw Ime Odoka give Cam Whitmore some extended run. We saw Cam Whitmore get extra minutes in the second half based on how well he was playing in the first half. We saw Cam Whitmore close the first half for the Rockets because Alperin Shingun was in foul trouble. These are things that I would not have dreamed of saying even just a week ago because it seems like Cam was, the the entire plan with him was to bring him along slowly, right? They weren't necessarily pressured or, or, you know, feeling pressure to, to get him run, to get him minutes. And 
at least with a Min Thompson, you know that he can impact the game on the defensive side of the basketball as well. And that's still an area of growth for Cam, an area that he's going to have to work on and continue to focus and get better at. But what we've seen from him in a very short, small sample size, as far as how effective he can be offensively, understanding, hey, if I'm open, I'm going to catch the ball, I'm going to shoot it. If somebody closes out hard on me, I'm going to drive it in and I'm going to try and dunk. He's got this, he's already got so many moves in his bag, right? Little counters, little crossovers, the spins, he can post up. He is a really effective scorer already. Like, that's what he was drafted to do. That's what he's capable of doing. And we're actually seeing him do it whenever he's given the minutes. Now, I, I will say what, what this means, right, for Ime trusting him and, and where the Rockets are at right now, still no Dylan Brooks, and he could be, you know, still probably going to be gone for a couple weeks. Tari Eason is now not even, they're not even getting up to like game time to seeing if he's like, you know, a game time decision anymore. They're just flat out ruling him out of certain games now, which is concerning because that's going in the opposite direction of where they were. Sorry, still a little sick. So for Cam, this is one of those silver lining opportunities where, hey, the Rockets have a couple injuries. Cool. Cam Whitmore has been entrusted with these minutes and he is absolutely making the most out of these minutes to where I think there's a really difficult question Ime Odoka is going to have to face down the line, which is how do you still get Cam Whitmore minutes even when those guys come back? Because I think he has shown that he deserves those minutes. He's really effective with those minutes. And this Rockets team is a team that desperately needs guys who can just score the basketball and who can shoot the basketball. And right now, Cam Whitmore can do both of those things at a really solid level. Now, is this just a flash in the pan success story where he's just gotten lucky a little bit in the early going of his rookie career? Is he going to level back out and he'll start looking like a rookie? He'll start missing some shots? I don't think so. Like, Cam is a bona fide scorer. He's a three-level scorer already at this stage of his NBA career. And he is what it feels like this Rockets team is missing at times on the floor. So what happens? What choices does Ime Odoka have to make? Whose minutes does he ultimately have to reduce once Dylan Brooks and Tari Eason are back in the lineup? Because Cam Whitmore deserves to play. And when he's out there, good things happen. Cam Whitmore was a plus eight in this game. In a seven-point loss, Cam Whitmore was a plus eight in the minutes that he was on the floor. The Rockets won the Cam Whitmore minutes pretty easily out there. And a big part, again, a big part of this, his skill set is so complimentary of all the other guys that he's playing. He, his skill set complements Alperin Shagoon. It complements Fred Van Vliet. It complements the other star. Like, it makes so much sense. And seeing Cam Whitmore get that extended run, seeing him have the continued trust from Emi Odoka is a really big thing moving forward. Now, it wasn't all it wasn't all sunshine and roses for Cam Whitmore. There's definitely some moments where you see, okay, like, you know, some defensive miscommunication, some offensive miscues. He had uh the one <laughs> he had the one three-pointer that he pulled up and he had a one, he had a hand in his face, and then two. He had, I believe it was Fred Van Vliet wide open on the on, on the on the opposite wing. And Fred was wide open. And Fred was killing it in this game. Fred was on fire in this game. And you even had like, I believe it was Alperin Shangoon who was like pointing out at Fred Van Vliet, like pass him the ball. <laughs> and Cam still missed that read. And then they had another one where he drove the ball in and he missed the read for Aaron Holiday, who was open on the wing. So there's still moments that Cam is going to have to grow from and learn from, but I do think there were still also some moments where, he, hey, he would have the ball in transition and he would 
just kind of full head of steam drive into the paint against the heat and realize that he drew a second or even a third defender and whip it out to an open shooter, right? It wasn't exactly pretty when he did the drive and kick and transition kind of stuff, but it's it was effective. So I do think for Cam, he's still got a long way to go, but the fact that you're already seeing this level of play from him as a rookie, this dude has future superstar written all over him. I'm sorry, it's... I, the fact that the Rockets got him at pick 20 and that however many other teams passed on him, because I guess you, the Rockets could have taken pick number four. It probably wasn't going to happen, right? But from picks five through 19, shout out to every single team that passed on Cam Whitmore along the way because this dude is good. And the Rockets have him and Amin Thompson for a very, very long time. And that's that's really exciting stuff to think about. So I wanted to talk about Cam Whitmore. I wanted to hype him up because I felt like his presence in this game was much needed. Uh, I, I feel like the minutes that he's getting are much deserved. He probably should have played more minutes in this game. He probably, I mean, the Rockets were a better team with Cam Whitmore on the floor because they needed scoring. They needed shot making. And nobody else, very few outside of Fred Van Vliet and Alperen Shingoon, nobody else was providing that to this team in this game against the Miami Heat. So Cam Whitmore probably should have gotten, you know, the trust from Emo Doka to close this one out. Unfortunately, he did not. Hopefully we see that trust continue to grow over these next coming games, over this uh, over this road trip, and as the season ultimately progresses. Coming up, want to get into some of the reasons for this Rockets loss, as well as the performances from Fred Van Vliet, Alperin, Shingun. A lot to cover from this one. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you've finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another, or maybe you're taking supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast to go along with that. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Look, I've done therapy in the past. It's helped me out tremendously in my life. I highly recommend it. If you are considering trying therapy, give it a shot. And you can try it with better help. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp H E L P dot slash locked on NBA. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. So, why did the Rockets lose this game against Miami Heat 120-113 when they were tied up 59 all at halftime? Uh I, and look, you know, I I saw a couple some excuses from Rockets fans, and I call them excuses because I didn't really agree with these takes. You know, I put the post-game graphic out almost every game. Hey, you know, why did they lose? Why did they win? Whatever. And I saw some people saying the reason that they lost was they lost to a better, more experienced team or a better, more veteran team or a smarter team because they had veteran players. Like, I saw a few different variations of that answer, which made me kind of scratch my head a little bit because the Miami Heat... uh Nikola Jovic is a second-year player, guys. Uh, Jaime Hawkes Jr. is a rookie. Uh, they they aren't exactly like they. Yes, they've got some veterans up and down the lineup, sure, but they've also got some young guys out there that were executing at a really high level. 
So I, I don't really buy that as the excuse. I am frustrated, I think, with some of the Rockets' execution or lack thereof in this game uh, in, in, in two areas. One part was the offensive execution, and two and second part was uh, specifically how the Rockets cover teams defensively like the Miami Heat. They struggle against teams that move and relocate the basketball as well as the Miami Heat do. The Miami Heat do a really great job of setting screens, moving without the basketball, slipping screens, and and sharing the ball and moving the basketball. And they did a great job of that in this game, leading to some ridiculously wide-open buckets. So you pair that with the fact that Miami Heat were also on fire from long distance, shot 15 of 36, 41.7%. That's a recipe for disaster. For the Rockets, they couldn't stop. They they couldn't shut down. Like Tyler Harrow had 28 points on 10 of 20 shooting. He shot five of 10 off the bench. Duncan Robinson had 14 points on four of 12 shooting. Not an efficient night for Duncan Robinson, but still knocking down some shots. Duncan Robinson had seven assists off the Miami Heat bench. They had 30 assists on their 41 made shots. That's how well the Miami Heat move the basketball. They constantly are passing, screening, relocating, finding the open man. And it leads to the offense that we saw against the Rockets. Even though at, at various points, uh, what, Bam Adebayo had foul trouble at one point uh, and had to sit down for a little bit. Like, you know, the, the Rockets, I felt like, also didn't take advantage of the windows that they had when certain guys were in foul trouble, when they had certain lineups out there. Uh, there were points where... You know, and this kind of swings things back towards the offensive end of things for the Rockets. Because, again, defensively, they, there's something about these teams that that move and that ha, that are high. I don't want to say high motion offenses, but just teams that move well without the basketball. Again, the Miami Heat are one of them. The Atlanta Hawks are one of them. The Warriors are one of them. Uh, the Spurs, to a lesser degree, of those teams are one of them. Right, teams that really do a good job of moving well without the basketball. Versus a team like, say, the Bucks or the Mavericks or the Nuggets, where so much, and even the Nuggets move without the basketball a little bit, but so much of it is still heliocentric based off so many of those players, right? Whether it's Nikola Jokic or Giannis and Lillard or Luka, like, it's a lot easier to just pinpoint, hey, we're going to let this one guy cook and we're just going to stop everybody else, right? Stay home. Don't let him get other guys involved. And if he gets 50, we don't care because we shut everybody else down. It's a lot harder to do when you can't just key in on one player on the team and say, hey, we're just going to let this one guy dominate and beat us. And we're going to stay home on everybody else, especially when a team is moving as well without the basketball as the Heat do. So that was problem area number one was the defense. Because even though their offense kind of fell out from under them in the second half, uh, they went, they hit. 10 threes in the first half of this game and they only hit four of them in the second half so they finished the game 34.1% shooting the Rockets did from three point land uh, and Fred VanVleet was three of those four in the second half the, the Rockets just could not buy a three pointer in this game and credit to Eric Spolster and the Miami Heat right and credit to what they do offensively their offensive game plan their ability to share the basketball and then defensively they challenge you to make those threes they give up wing three pointers they are, they are content with teams taking those shots. And the Rockets did a good job of making them pay in the first half for giving up those shots. The Rockets in the first half of this game were, double-check the numbers here, 10 of 20 from three. 50% three-point shooting in the first half. 
And again, they went in a halftime all tied up 59 points apiece. Unfortunately, that wasn't exactly sustainable. And so as the Rockets shooting regressed back to the norm and the Miami Heat just kind of stayed, you know, stayed hot. On top of that, the Rockets not being able to get stops. That it was just your recipe for the loss here, unfortunately, in this game. Um, I do think, again, this Rockets team needed to do a better job of taking advantage of certain uh, matchups, especially like when uh, Alper and Shingun was out there without Bam Adebayo being on the floor or just or even just collectively as a team attacking the Miami Heat more when Bam Adebayo wasn't out there on the floor. He had foul trouble in this game. He was missing, you know, he he was he wasn't out there for for stretches of this game or even just when he was getting his rest on the bench. It, when Bam is in there, it's almost impossible to attack the Miami Heat. They give up so few shots at the rim. They are uh, they are a great defensive team when it comes to forcing you to take bad shots, forcing you to take again those those wing three-pointers that are the hardest three-pointer to hit in the NBA. So there were stretches where you had like Kevin Love guarding Alper and Shigun. And Kevin Love's not like a slouch. You know, he's a high IQ guy. He's a smart, you know, a smart defender. But at the same time, like attack, right? Attack that mismatch. Um, and I really felt like the Rockets didn't do a good enough job of of kind of capitalizing on those moments where Bam wasn't in the game. And that that extends to not just that's not just an Alper and Shingun problem, even though I think that that was more just a game plan issue. Like, hey, Bam is out of the bit out of the game. Let's post up LP. Let's get the ball to LP. Let's let him go to work. That would have been great. It's an issue for the entire roster. It's an issue for Jalen Green. It's an issue for Jay Sean Tate. It's an issue for Jabari Smith Jr. All these other guys in the starting lineup who did not show up offensively in this game. Jabari Smith Jr. just 3 of 13 shooting, only 10 points. Uh, he had an awful offensive performance. Jay Sean Tate, 3 of 8 shooting, 9 points. Subpar performance from Jay Sean Tate. Jalen Green, 2 of 10 shooting, only 11 points. Subpar performance from him as well. 2 of 8 shooting from 3-point range. Now, these guys were doing other things. Like, Jabari was defending at a good level. Jay Sean Tate, solid defense. Hustle plays, the usual that he provides. Jalen Green, facilitating. Thought he was playing some decent defense in this game. Although, again, the entire Rockets team got burned on some of these uh, slips and and you know movements that the Miami Heat had. So it wasn't any one singular guy that was the issue with the Rockets defense. It was a collective defensive scheme as a whole. And at times, even just lack of effort. There was one possession where uh, Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Green were chasing down a couple of Heat players in transition. And Fred actually got the stop in transition, but because nobody else ran back with them, Bam Adebayo was able to just clean it up and get the easy putback dunk at the rim. And Fred was pissed because Fred and Jalen actually ran their asses back in transition to try and get the stop. And none of the other three players on the court for the Rockets decided to run back. So that's an effort issue. Like that's an attention to detail issue. That's a, are you locked in? Are you trying to win this game? And that's problematic. Like the Rockets, you know, it, it felt like they weren't playing their best game already. Uh, and you can't do that against a Miami Heat team that's as well coached as they are. They're the premier plug-and-play team in the NBA. It doesn't matter if they're missing Jimmy Butler. It doesn't matter that they're missing Caleb Barton. It's next-man-up mentality, and that's how Eric Spolster has run that team for years, and that's why he's widely regarded as the best coach in the entire NBA. So maybe it was just a matter of, hey, the Rockets got outplayed by a better team. The issue was I thought they were good enough to win this game, 
especially when the way that they played in the first half. But even with the shooting regressing a little bit there in the second half, they could have tried to open up some more opportunities. They could have made some different decisions down the line. Again, Cam Whitmore probably should have gotten more run in this game because he was one of the few, along with Alpi and Fred, he was one of the few consistent shot makers in this game, a guy who could actually put the ball in the bucket. And that's what the Rockets needed to try and be able to at least keep up with the Miami Heat late in this one. Coming up, final thoughts from this Rockets Heat game, as well as uh, some really devastating news for the Memphis Grizzlies. Ja Morant out for the season with a torn labrum, I believe, having season-ending season ending surgery and what that means for the Houston Rockets going forward as far as their playoff aspirations. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet that's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, and all you have to do is wager $5. It's that Simple. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live, same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and so much more. Right now, they've got some playoff specials that you'll definitely want to take advantage of. Most playoff passing yards for this season. Dak Prescott currently the favorite at plus 250. Right behind him, Brock Purdy at plus 450. Josh Allen at plus 500. CJ Stroud all the way down at plus 2,000. So maybe some action that you want to take advantage of. Most playoff rushing yards, Christian McCaffrey at plus 200, the favorite there. And then most playoff receiving yards for this season, CD Lamb at plus 200 to win that category. So if you've been thinking about getting into postseason betting, with football wrapping up the postseason, wrapping up the regular season, getting into the postseason right now, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get in on the action. Again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. A couple things that I wanted to highlight here elsewhere from, from this game specifically, just a couple little anecdotes, some things from my notes. Um, the Rockets had some very uncharacteristic kind of like sloppy turnovers in this game, I felt like, uh, especially on like entry passes to Alper and Shingun. It happened a couple times this game where they tried to get the ball into Shingun. Uh, there was one to like Jeff Green where he was like going to set a screen and somebody, it, there's some just some miscommunication, some stuff that, you know, is, is very self-inflicted mistakes that can be ironed out. Um, and again, when you're trying to play high-level basketball, those self-inflicted mistakes uh, are backbreakers, right? Because they add up over the course of a game. Uh, Alperin Shingun in this game, he has six fouls. Uh, he fouled out technically at the very tail end of this one. But Alpi being in foul trouble was definitely an issue in this game because there were stretches defensively where he couldn't be as aggressive or couldn't be as upfront uh, on some contests as he normally would be. Uh, because of the foul issue. So Alper and Shingun, again, getting into foul trouble in this game. He has been really, really good this season and as of late as to, you know, not getting into foul trouble. But it's just something to monitor. It's something to, to you know, take note of that if teams are going to go out of their way to try and attack him, 
what can the Rockets come up with or what can what can Al P do differently or what can the coaching staff do differently to try and keep Alperin Shingun out of foul trouble, right? Very early in this game, we saw that Alperin Shingun was not guarding Bam Adebayo in this game because they wanted to keep Alperin Shingun out of the pick and roll defensively. They've done that a lot this season. And then sometimes over the course of a game like this one, they switch up the defensive coverages, right? Kind of depends on how other guys look when Al P's guarding them, but... What other creative ways can Ime Odoka come up with to keep Alper and Shingun out of foul trouble, especially a team like the Miami Heat, as aggressive as they are, uh, you know, in trying to, they, they were trying to attack Shingun, right? And it was it was problematic at times. Now, Ime did trust him, which I thought was a big thing. Uh, when Alpi did pick up his fourth foul, Ime trusted him to stay in the game. Uh, and it wasn't until later in the game that he picked up his fifth foul late in the fifth fifth quarter, fourth quarter, that he picked up his fifth foul and then ultimately fouled out when the game was basically over. But uh, I think that's that that says a lot, that Ime can trust LP to be out there with the four fouls uh, and not, you know, immediately knee-jerk, okay, well, you got your fourth foul, you got to check out now, that kind of thing. Um, for Jabari, you know, I need to see him go back to knocking down shots. You know, it, it really felt like he was... Uh, had a really impressive stretch there offensively where he was knocking things down, where the offense was coming easy to him, and it's since kind of completely gone away. Um, now, I don't know if a big part of that is the is the rhythm aspect of it. I would like to see, again, it, it felt like he was made a focal point in the offense, especially there with the second unit at times, where he was getting plays and sets designed for him to get the basketball in the mid post and get to his sweet spots on the floor and knock down those shots, whereas... Now it kind of feels like his shots have been kind of a little bit more random where they show up within the given context of a game. And there, I, I think he's kind of gone back to a little bit of some of that uh, rookie year, I don't want to say mentality, but just like some of the threes he took in this game I thought were so ill-advised where, you know, he's pulling up with a three with like time left on the shot clock or, you know, they the Rockets haven't really moved the ball around. And he's just, you know, I get it. Jabari could pull up for a three and there might be a hand in his face, but like a hand in Jabari's face is not like a hand in, say, Jalen's face because Jabari is just taller than everybody else on the floor. So it's not even really a fully contested shot, but it's also not a wide open look, right? That's not a good, high quality shot. So... I didn't like a lot of the offense from Jabari in this game. There were some, you know, moments where he got to, you know, got to the free throw line, drove, pull up the mid range. I'd just like to see him just get the ball, triple threat, free throw line, face up, do your thing, right? Or get him the ball on the post, you know, when he's with the second unit, that kind of thing. Um, I, I just, I feel like I want, I want to see the Rockets get back to using Jabari how they were when he was on fire offensively because it feels like they've kind of shifted how they've been using him. Uh, and that's why I think he's he's struggling a bit more from the floor because he's a rhythm guy, you know, right? He, knock, he, gets first, he knocks down a few shots, he's on fire, then the three ball starts falling, then the rest of his game is unlocked, and he looks unguardable. So I'd like to see the Rockets get back to more of that. Um... Al P and Fred were awesome in this game. I talked about them already a little bit, but just Fred wanted to, Fred was doing everything he could to try and win this game for the Rockets. 32 points, 10 of 22 shooting, 7 of 14 from three, five boards, seven assists, two blocks, uh, only one turnover, that one really uncharacteristic entry pass that he missed, five of five from the free throw line. Fred Van Vliet is your locked on Rockets player of the game. He was absolutely phenomenal in this one, doing almost everything in his power to try and win this game. Uh, just couldn't, get it done. Uh, and then Amin Thompson. I want to talk about Amin for a second here before we wrap this one up. Uh, Amin Thompson off the Rockets bench. 
Five points, only one of two shooting. He was three of three from the free throw line, though. Two rebounds, had an assist, had a steal, had a block. Uh, Amin continues to just kind of look like he's he's still settling in. He's understanding, though, how he can attack defenses, right? And you're seeing when Amin is out there, the Rockets generally have a full five-out spacing when Amin Thompson is out there. He had that one and one drive where he drove the ball in, finished through contact right there at the rim, took the slaps on the arm, and was able to take the you know the one-two step afterwards, elevate and, and drop the ball in. Not quite a full-blown dunk, but just kind of laying the ball into the rim. And for Amin, his speed is such a weapon that I think he's still learning how to be effective with it uh, within the structure of an NBA system. You know, OTE was a lot more loose and reckless and high-flying and transition and all this. And, and that's where you see a man, when he takes off, when he gets a rebound off of a good defensive possession or gets a steal in transition, he's gone. He had the lob to Cam Whitmore in this game. Oh, my God, that lob was absolutely insane. Uh, I want to say arguably the play of the game from this one. Uh, but you see how effective he is in transition, right? When he gets to be loose and play free and just play, you know, at full speed. But he also, like, Amen Thompson also understands tempo. He understands that it can't be 0 to 100 all the time. And that's something that Jalen Green is still kind of struggling with, right? And we saw Jalen for stretches in this game. Uh, shout out to Jalen who got to the free throw line six, time, hit six times, hit five of them. Jalen's starting to understand, hey, if I if I slow down, if I use if I if I'm using tempo, if I, you know, slow down, then speed up or speed up, then slow down, then I can catch defenders by surprise and get some easy buckets. He had that one little like hang dribble where he drew the foul on Bam out of bio like it's such a simple concept, but at the same time, it's it's also not simple because it's, you know, players have played one way their whole career and then they have to adjust and learn how to play differently. So Amin Thompson understands tempo and he understands, hey, if I walk the ball up and then turn on the Jets all of a sudden, or if I'm going fast and then if I slow it down when I'm getting ready to pull up for my shot, then, you know, defenders aren't going to know how to guard me. So I, I like what we're seeing, you know, continued uh, work out of Amin Thompson. The defense looks solid. Uh... In this game, he just didn't get the extended run because the Rockets needed shot-making. They needed shooting because of the way that the Miami Heat were guarding them, and so that's why Cam Whitmore got the extended minutes out of the reserves in this one versus, say, Amin Thompson. Uh, those were final thoughts from this one. I want your I want your thoughts, though. Give me, you know, wh why did the Rockets lose this game? I think, you know, I covered the two main reasons pretty adequately, but if there's something that I missed from this one as to why the Rockets lost anything that stands out to you, let me know in the YouTube comments. Let me know how you feel about Cam Whitmore, about his play so far, about his role on this team. What should his role on this team be once everybody is healthy? Ultimately, let me know. But I do want to talk here briefly about uh, the really disappointing, upsetting news coming out of Memphis. Uh, ja Morant, season-ending surgery, will be shut down now. It's like he, was, you know, he missed the first start of the season because of his suspension. He comes back for a handful of games, and now he's gone again. Just... Terrible news for the Grizzlies, a team that I really do enjoy and like a lot, uh, you know, and, and I love Jaw as a player. So that's just a lot of tough news to stomach. But what it means for the Houston Rockets is their chances at a play-in spot just got that much better because they're, the Rockets are going to be jostling with a handful of teams, you know, for the play-in spot out west. But now I think we can safely look at the San Antonio Spurs, the Portland Trailblazers, the Memphis Grizzlies, and 
arguably the Utah Jazz. I still don't know what Utah's doing, man. Like, I, like are, is, does Utah want to be bad? Do they want to be some middling 500 team? They don't exactly, they, they have some youth, but they've also got like a weird, stri- I, I don't know, It's Utah's a weird team, all right? They're in a weird spot. So I don't know if Utah wants to be bad or if they or if Danny Ainge still wants to tear that thing down eventually and you know sell off different parts and, and bottom out for another top pick. Who knows? But I, I think I'm going to safely pencil Utah out of the play-in tournament race, although they could be a sleeper to make it into the play-in. But safely, I think you can say San Antonio, Blazers, Grizzlies, and arguably the Jazz are probably going to be out of the play-in picture, even though the Jazz are technically ahead of the Golden State Warriors right now. That just means that if you pencil those four teams out of the play-in, the Rockets only have to beat one other team in the West to make it into the play-in tournament this season. Again, they've already got three that are guaranteed probably out with the Grizzlies, Blazers, and Spurs. Jazz kind of waning, whatever they've got going on. The Warriors are like all kinds of discombobulated, right? Steve Kerr may have lost that locker room. Draymond Green's thinking about retirement because of all the struggles. of I'm not allowed to hit people anymore. Uh, Like, whatever. Draymond Green playing the victim in this whole situation is absolutely ridiculous. I'll just another side note here, but it means that the Rockets path to the playoffs just got a little bit easier because that's one less opponent in the West. They're going to have to worry about if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, that makes a lot of sense to just, Hey, you're going to bottom out. You're going to be bad. This season's a wash, right? You, you missed jaw for the pr- first chunk of the season. Now you don't have them for the rest of the year. This Grizzlies team is maybe if the, if, things start clicking maybe they can be like a scrappy like you know ninth tenth seed play-in team you know if all their parts come together and they get fully healthy outside of jaw obviously is that worth it though if you're the grizzlies or do you just say hey all right this season is a loss we're already over one third of the way into the year let's just bottom out get a top asset make sure everybody's healthy and we'll reset and come back next year and either trade that pick for more support for Jaw or draft another young player to add to an exciting young core already. I don't know. I think bottoming up makes sense if you're the Grizzlies, but we'll see how they decide to navigate it. I think it just means easier uh, an easier into the playoffs if you're the Houston Rockets. Currently sitting at 18 and 17. They're ahead of the Suns, the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Jazz. Uh, sitting at the eighth seed in the Western Conference. A couple games back from that seventh seed, some uh, separation between the Rockets and Pelicans. But that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe. Share your thoughts from this Rockets game. Share your thoughts on Cam Whitmore. Share your thoughts on the uh, playoff race out west. I'm curious to hear and see all of your thoughts in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. <laughs>